0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel, and our special guest today, Mike Shreve. Thank you both for coming back and doing another episode. I appreciate it. I know the copywriters out there appreciate it. David, I'm gonna hand it off to you again and let you perform your magic with our special guest, Mike Shreve.
1: Thanks, Nathan. Well, as you know, previously on the Copywriters Podcast, Mike was on here, one of the most popular ones ever, talking about getting clients. Let me reintroduce you to Mike because it's been a whole seven days probably, at least. Uh, Mike is first and foremost a father a husband and a lover of books professionally he is the guy behind the scenes of some of today's most recognized names in the personal development and biz spaces and when he's not putting together product launches or wrangling unwieldy clients he can often be found running long aisles in the woods behind his home somewhere on the west coast of america okay mike welcome and welcome back and, and thanks again for carving a little time out of your busy schedule to talk to us yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. <laughs> okay, good. Well, today we're going to talk about Facebook ads. And I got to tell you, um, you know, I I was famously a Facebook denier until about a year ago. I, I told people it didn't exist, but if it gave you comfort to believe in it, that was fine with me. <laughs> and then I, the, something was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so I joined it, and I love Facebook. I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it, but I know on a scale of one to 10, I know about three, uh, maybe 0.3 about Facebook ads. And you're clearly a 10 or an 11. Um, could you just take a, a few minutes to describe the whole Facebook ad landscape the way most people see it, even if that's an incorrect way to do it. And we'll get down to your street cred about this. in in a few minutes after that,
2: Yeah, so I think a lot of maybe the we can start with the the, the false ideas that are out there. The false idea is that Facebook is necessarily instant, even even though within 15 minutes from now, you and I, David, could sit down and we could put together an ad for an offer of yours. But most people forget um, that. Facebook is just another medium like direct mail was, and they throw out all of the things we've learned from years and years and years of direct mail and they think put up a Facebook ad, direct to an offer, run the traffic, make the sale. Uh, so a lot of people get into Facebook ads forgetting things like uh, a nurturing sequence, multi um, step, multi uh, level, uh, not multi level marketing, but like different levels of offers. Um, either to break even. So I think a lot of people oversimplify the concept of Facebook ads and then they go out there and they run their ad to an offer um, and it's not working. And then they say Facebook ads doesn't work. That's not true. <clears throat> the second thing, is that most people think that Facebook ads is inbound marketing, right? You heard the idea of inbound marketing, where uh, people come to you and uh, they they search for you and they find you and they were already in that mindset of looking for you. That's not Facebook at all. Facebook marketing is 100% interruption marketing. If you come into the Facebook space with an ad for something other than this person's ex-girlfriend's face because they're lurking their ex-girlfriend on Facebook, that's Mm -hmm. interrupting what they're doing. They don't go on to Facebook to purchase. Um, And so a lot of people forget that the offers you throw up on Facebook must be that compelling, that you are fighting against what Facebook actually is, which is a, for lack of a better term, sort of a lazy social entertainment Uh, Again, I I don't want to be too judgmental of people who use Facebook a lot, but um, Facebook as an environment is very base. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) Most people go on Facebook to either argue political points, (laughs) argue religious points, lurk and be jealous of other people, judgmental of other people. The percentage of people who go on Facebook to be happy and positive and in a good state of mind is not nearly as large as those who go for really sort of the base human emotions as copywriters. That's awesome because, you know, good copywriters are able to play on those base emotions and use those base emotions. But if you go into Facebook thinking that everyone's bright and cheery and they're there to look for your next business opportunity, that's, that's completely, you'll, you'll get, um, you'll get beat up pretty bad.
1: Okay. Well, uh, that's a good point. I I think you kind of answered my second question, About the misconceptions people have, most people have people who aren't really getting a lot of success and satisfaction with their Facebook ads. Is there anything else you'd want to add about that misconceptions people have?
2: Yeah, I think I think there's probably a couple. uh, Without giving like the whole uh, like sit here for an hour and and teach Facebook ads. (laughs) So one of the things is one of the misconceptions that I think a lot of people have in Facebook is. that that Facebook ads won't work for their market because, insert whatever excuse. Um, I think, I I don't have a lot of history or experience in direct mail, but I've definitely met a lot of clients who say that same thing about direct mail. They say, oh, it would never work for me. Um, You know, I, I, I listen to a lot of copywriters and they always give these stories about clients who, oh, direct mail is never gonna work for me, and then they did it and it worked. Wow, isn't that amazing? And Facebook is just another medium. It's just it's just another medium, just like direct mail is, just like radio, TV commercials are. Um, and so it can absolutely work for your business. And I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit later. Your business might have certain restrictions that make it more difficult to operate on Facebook. But um, I mean, I've, I've worked with just a wide variety of different clients in Facebook. And I've never had anything stop me from having Facebook profitable for these clients
1: let me interrupt and and bring back a bring back a point that you made earlier in comparison to direct mail with direct mail it's very possible to have what in sales is called a one call close in other words you can mail a letter to a really qualified list and get three four percent so what works in direct mail doesn't work you know it's not an exact analogy It's not like you're sending out, you know, a lot of lift notes or a lot of direct mail letters with Facebook ads. I mean, I I get that already talking to you. It never occurred to me. But you need to plan more of a campaign, you know, different. You need to warm yourself up to people. You need to familiarize people. You you know, it's maybe more like a a sales call than a direct mail letter. Um, And you need to have different offers at different levels. For people, that's a little more complex. It's a little more three-dimensional in, in in the strategy than direct mail is, it seems to me. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I think so. From from what I understand of, of direct mail, yeah. <clears throat> so you you brought up the, the idea of uh, sending out direct mail letters and then having uh, sales calls. Uh, so right now, I have a, a Facebook ad campaign for myself that runs ads to watch a webinar, which is essentially a scaled sales call. Uh, I run that webinar uh, once a week, although we are moving it to automated webinars. And um, we close about typically 25 to $30,000 a week on about a $2,000 ad spend just from that webinar of a $1,000 product. So uh, that's a really good a uh, point in that that webinar is almost 2 hours long. It's a lot of value add and then there's a pretty uh substantial follow-up email series. Um we use things like many chat which are like you know reminders, uh text reminders, all that kind of thing. So yeah, it's definitely more on the campaign level.
1: Okay, that, that's interesting. So you you just opened my eyes to the fact that you can do a lot more with Facebook by looking at a more articulated, um, campaign like way of, of doing things. Now let's, let's talk about the dark side or it's not dark, the very frustrating side for a lot of people, I think, which also makes them think you can't use Facebook and you, you, you've proven the opposite. What are the hard realities about Facebook rules, what they will and will not allow in the ad itself and in whatever page or, video or destination the ad leads the prospect to what are those rules
2: yeah so there the, the number one most frustrating thing about facebook's quote unquote policy guidelines is that they are inconsistently enforced and they are so broad and generic because facebook wants to protect itself now it's something very important to understand with facebook is that facebook makes Maybe even as much of its money from bad advertisers as ineffective advertisers as it does from the ones who are being effective, which means that a lot of the policies that Facebook creates doesn't necessarily favor good advertising. So, for example, before and after pictures are not allowed on Facebook. How many niches in... (laughs) In yeah. the world of sales and copywriting, it does that basically shut down? You know, ninety percent of what they're typically using elsewhere in other mediums before and after pictures. Any statements with time constraints. So, get this result in seven days. You can't do that. So there goes another like all the biz op, all the you know like all these sorts of things. Any financial claims of almost any kind. Uh, Unless there is serious, hardcore evidence, we just avoid it in what we do because the evidence that they require is basically impossible. And then the thing that is most frustrating about it is that what they use to trigger their manual review process are people's complaints of your ad. So if you've ever seen an ad pop up in your newsfeed and you can click to report it. If you just have an ad that is provocative enough that it upsets people, which is a good ad in a lot of cases, right? Right. It takes a stance, it has a position, it's for or against something, and enough people report that because they're just annoyed by it, uh, they don't like it, it will trigger a manual review process from some person in Facebook who probably knows very little about or cares very little about what you're trying to do what your offer actual actual offer is they don't view it the same way as you do their whole thing is they want to keep people on Facebook and there's enough people doing advertising that they definitely don't care about you individually as an advertiser no matter the budget size and uh, and they'll just they'll manually review you and they can shut down an ad but they can also shut down your whole account without warning so mm-hmm. the most frustrating thing about Facebook is just this idea of like writing a really really good ad and then being like, "Dang, I'm probably gonna have to water this down a little bit <laughs> to get it to get it going on Facebook." Yeah,
1: and and of course those are exactly the things that make a lot of direct marketers believe without thinking there might be a workaround, there might be something else you could do. Uh, those are the things that make a lot of direct marketers believe that Facebook absolutely doesn't work. Of course, you've, you know, just the numbers you gave 2000 ad spend to 25,000 a week gross revenues. Obviously it works. Um, You just have to know how to do it. And so Mike, you've found ways to make Facebook ads work um, that most people would have considered impossible. And you know, without giving away the recipe for Coca-Cola or whatever, (laughs) uh, could you share some secrets?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the 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 main secret is this. And if you take this away, then you can come up with your own strategies as well. They'll probably be more effective um, <laughs> for your particular business. But I think that the main thing is to have empathy, empathy for Facebook and empathy for the users of Facebook when you go out to run an ad of some kind. <clears throat> and what I mean by is to understand what does Facebook want? What is Facebook trying to do? Follow the money, right? But also be empathetic about their desire to earn money, too. They want as many people to become addicted to Facebook as possible. Not just hang out on Facebook, but to become addicted to it. And so when they can do that, they have more eyeballs, they make more money from advertisers. Whether the advertisers are good or not, whether the advertisers are seeing a return or not, that doesn't matter to them. As long as people are pouring money into their advertising bucket, that's fine. It's a false assumption, I think, that a lot of people make that Facebook cares whether their advertisers are making money or not. Why would they when big brands put out terrible ads that are entertaining and hilarious Super Bowl commercial type ads... But aren't really making the, them any money,
1: <laughs> And, right? and so, those big, those big brands don't really care if they make money with the ads. They figure yeah. they're gonna make money somehow, and
2: yeah, I've Awareness. never figured it
1: out. But yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So that, so so don't don't assume that Facebook wants you to be successful because they've got big companies with massive budgets who outspend you all day long, and that's they don't care. So they really want to make sure that people become addicted to Facebook. Now, on the other hand, look at the person who's on a fa- on Facebook. Be empathetic to what they are on there for. Try to like literally like if you are an active Facebook user, be honest with yourself. Why do you go on Facebook? And think oh. through that process. Think mm-hmm. through like we talked about earlier. It's not all bright and shiny happiness. Some of it is sort of like the lurking and the you know the social, ex- the, the social stuff that we do behind a computer that we would probably never do in, in real life. And when you understand those two components, when you start writing advertisements for Facebook, you realize that a lot of these advertisements, the successful ones, contain a couple of elements. One, drama. So one of my best performing ads right now starts out, this is a love story. Actually, it's more of a revenge story. Whoa. And, you think, and you think that's not a headline, but it's my most successful ad so far right now that we're running for some of our stuff. And it's because it has that element of of, of drama of like, if I click on this, I'm gonna get a lurk and see some kind of drama action going on, right? So the, keep in mind that drama is something that's very appealing. and drama doesn't have to be like love story to revenge story drama can be the hero journey it can be i was homeless and now i'm not you know like here's the story of how this happened or here's how this woman overcame an unbelievable adversity look at the memes that are shared online look at the, the the cheesy videos that are shared online i can't remember who said it but someone said if you want to be a really good copywriter go read the national Enquirer and to understand that that's like what most people think and feel and, 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 and are concerned about, the daytime talk, TV shows, uh, that kind I, of.
1: I said it, but I was actually passing on what I learned from Gary Halbert and Gene Schwartz, so didn't originate <laughs> with me.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, so that kind of mentality is so prevalent on Facebook, right? Uh, a lot of advertisers go on Facebook and they're like, my audience is refined, and they may be refined outside of Facebook. But Facebook absolutely, like, takes people to that core base level of human existence, drama, uh, uh, conflict, all these sorts of things. So uh, drama is a big piece. And then video is a big piece. Hey,
1: let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leaves you with cookie cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show.
2: So video is doing really well for us and high energy video. And if you aren't able to do high energy video, that's okay. Good images are fine too. They're still working well. And you still definitely run profitable ads on on images. Just remember again, that your image is competing with memes. So your image has to be at least as compelling as a meme. And I've run Facebook ad campaigns where the image was a meme. Now that may not be appropriate for your brand and think about that, but it has to be at least that compelling. And then the last thing that a lot of Facebook advertisers forget about is that the comments section is actually an opportunity for you to perform demonstrations of power, especially against trolls. Now, a lot of people go on Facebook and they're like, oh, no, people are going to comment on my ad. They're going to say negative, bad stuff. And that even stops them from running ads or they're afraid it's going to ruin their brand. Those are actually opportunities, at least how I view it. To respond in ways that are, uh, you know, depending on how you're positioning yourself in the market, opportunities to further demonstrate your authority. So, for example, in one of the businesses that I'm running, we do, we are very meme and, and, and GIF heavy, um, not in the way that you probably think of like, oh, you're just a meme shop. No, no, not, not in that way. It's just that the the feeling we give to people is that we're a fun place, like come hang out and come do this in our program. And and we we have a lot of fun when we do it. And so oftentimes we'll have people comment negatively on on our posts. Like one lady was like, oh, my gosh, 5000 views and only two comments. You must be a hack because you don't have any engagement on your Facebook ads. And so I replied to her and I was like, you know what, it's probably the dorky video because I'm a big dork. And she replied back, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Okay, I take it all back. You're awesome." Now, when people see that in the comment section, uh, they're going to form an opinion about me. So again, it's just a, it's just another um, opportunity for you to engage the people who are watching this ad fly by. And the ads that don't do well are ads where there's no social engagement from the advertiser, where it's just. A long list of comments, and you're like, well, where is the person who's running this ad? So you can definitely delete the negative. I mean, we definitely delete some. Like, some person the other day was like, I don't know, she was crazy, uh, and we delete those <laughs> ones for sure. But the mm-hmm. ones that you can kind of manipulate and use to your advantage, do it. It, it, it. We've seen that the ads that have a lot of comments, where we have worked to do these demonstrations of power to set our authority against and position ourselves against some ideas that come up in the in the comments, we found that those ads tend to attract more accurately our dream customer, our dream client. So we found that people that come from that ad are the ones like, oh, that's who we thought was going to buy this program.
1: You know, it's interesting. Uh, this is pure gold. Thank you for for what you're sharing. Uh, I'm, I'm listening to it. It's interesting to me that um, the traditional skills, a a strict uh, by-the-book direct response copywriter, including an A-list copywriter, the kind of skills that person has, you need more than that on Facebook. I mean, just what you're talking about with drama, just what you're talking about with engagement with people and comments, a lot of copywriters are very introverted and um, developing social skills was not at the top of their priority list. And, <laughs> did I say that in a way that, I mean, I, I know, I know two copywriters, one who is extremely hard, right. And one who is pretty, pretty far to the left and you can count on them to just, you know, it's like they're saving money by not going to a therapist. I mean, they're, they are just spilling out, you know, bile and, and builds from their ids, you know, uh and and this is this is not what copywriters are trained to to deal with or to do. Um there was another copywriter who got on Facebook and would constantly get in royal pissing matches with everybody for a while. Um just could he learned he's smart, but he couldn't handle it for a long time. It's sort of legendary. I'm just talking about copywriters. Obviously there are these were, these things I'm talking about are sophisticated for the most part compared to what you see from other people. But yeah, I mean, Facebook is, it's, it's interesting. It's, I I mean, I can't think of a metaphor for it, but I, I love the, because it's, it's just, it's sort of like something we've never seen before. It's a combination of different things. These are, these are great insights and, and I appreciate them. And, and for every copywriter listening Listen to this a few more times. Listen to what Mike's saying, because he's really making it work. He started out as a copywriter. He's, he's a writer, and you're a writer, too. And you may need to develop some new perspectives and some new capabilities if you really want to make Facebook ads work. P- please continue, but I just had to make some comments there.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good point. And I, I think it maybe even speaks to uh, what we call copywriters these days. Um, I, I I definitely don't think the old way of copywriting—that's well, not the right word—it's <laughs> still totally current. But like direct mail, or or where a lot of the current a-listers how they came up—I don't know necessarily that that version of copywriting is going to last for ten years. Um, there definitely is a shift in the way that copywriting is um, the skills that a copywriter needs, and 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 that brings me to one other really good key thing for Facebook and being successful is that there's this idea of, uh, you know, compelling offers. And there's this idea that when you ask someone to click on an ad, whether they understand it beyond their like, you know, deeper inner brain, that ad is taking them away from their addiction, which is Facebook. Mm. So, you yeah. have, yeah, so you have to, I mean, I, I really don't want to be disrespectful to anyone, but if you are taking someone away from their addiction, it needs to be more compelling than the addiction. It may even need to be another one of their addictions. So the offer itself on Facebook, whatever you're asking them to do to click through, must be more compelling than that. One of the things that we find is that, when you're running a full-scope campaign on Facebook, so uh, you roll out all the stuff that you're doing, any opportunity that you can present your offer as another addicting piece of content instead of necessarily even the hint of a sales opportunity, the better your, and we'll talk about this hopefully too, your sort of long campaign will fare. So what, what what the reason I'm talking about the the changing scope of copywriting is like advertorials blog posts that are actually ads is probably like the number one skill for Facebook copywriters to develop. And you're like what wait a second advertorials for Facebook? Yes. Run your ads to an advertorial. So run your ads to a blog post that looks feels like a blog post but is actually structured to cause a belief change right so maybe it's um so you thought be you know being in business was gonna be hard did you well here's five tips to whatever Uh so it's some kind of belief change content and then within that content on the sidebar of the content that's where you can advertise the stuff that you're looking for so it could be uh, sign up for my webinar uh, go try this seven dollar product whatever that might be and as you're sending all this traffic from one addicting source to another addicting source you basically built a asset that you have now that you, well, I mean, you don't control it because it's still Facebook, and, uh, but what you do is you pixel that page. And what a pixel is is basically a, a tracking code that when somebody lands on that page, it goes into your Facebook power editor, which is where you build ads in Facebook, and it builds an audience of those specific people. So someone clicks on the ad, they go to that page. They're now dumped into an audience that you have. Now it's that audience that you start running maybe what might be your less addicting your less addicting offers. So maybe this is where you say, go check out my webinar. And it can be a compelling webinar. That's really cool. That's that's amazing. But there's a couple things about webinars. It takes a lot of time. You got to show up at a certain point, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas the advertorial is instant. It's content. It can be a little bit more dramatic. It, it's it's an easier shift to go from Facebook to an advertorial than Facebook to a webinar. I'm not saying you can't do it, but just this is something that we're we're, we're finding works. Um, you can run them direct to offers after they hit that advertorial. It also, if you want a pro tip here, running stuff to an advertorial, actually uh, running stuff to an advertorial first and then retargeting all of that advertorial audience is actually one way to combat the nearly impossible to predetermine policy guidelines of Facebook. They are much more lenient on someone who delivers content first and then retargets with offers than someone who takes offers direct to market, re- re- like removing that content piece.
1: My, my head is spinning. Jeez, you, 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 you should write a book about this or... Or do a $25,000 boot camp. I'm not freaking <laughs> kidding. This is so good. But we're 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 starting to run out of time. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a complete mindset. I'll, I'll just say a couple things, and maybe you could give a few takeaways, then we can wrap up, because I, I literally do have something in 22 minutes um, that I need to take a breath for, have a cigarette just to clear my head. Jeez, <laughs> well, talk about addictions, my gosh. Um, it, it seems like you, you need to be a psychologist along the lines of Glenn Livingston, you know, really, really smart about human nature, even maybe more than you need for a copywriter. You also need to have the feature writing skills of a good journalist. I mean, you know, start with Michael Lewis, who's like the best in the business, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the guy who wrote Moneyball and all that, and and work your way down in case you're not going to be that good, which no one else is. And uh, you also need to be like a screenwriter or a, a, no, a novelist um, or, you know, an event creator, you know, uh, like a Ryan Holiday kind of person, you know. I mean, you don't have to be great at all those things, but it seems like you need to to dip your toe in all of those waters a little bit in order to do the kind of things you're talking about. Do, am I way off base or do you agree? Yeah, I think so.
2: It's a it's a complex landscape. Everything yeah. is exposed on Facebook
1: Okay, Everything so, that you're doing, yeah. So my tunnel vision, which served me so well as a copywriter, I need to broaden the broaden the scope of what I'm looking at a little bit. Okay, good. Could you give us one or two takeaways? And as sorry as I am to say this, we're going to have to wrap up
2: just because time waits for no
1: man yeah. <laughs>
2: or woman or dog or cat. Yeah, I think the key is just to be empathetic. Empathetic to the people who will be seeing your ads, empathetic to what Facebook is doing. Realize that there are... Uh, it's, it's a different environment uh, almost altogether. And then lastly is just to remember that this is interruption. So when you take someone off of their addiction, be prepared to walk them through to your sale. Uh, they're not ready yet. Yes, you can target their interests. Yes, you can target their pixel audiences. Yes, there's levels and levels of targeting which has never been available before in any marketing of any kind ever. But still, you're taking them away from their entertainment, their addiction. So be prepared in your campaigns to put in a little bit more work to be profitable. Well,
1: Mike, thank thank you so much. As Nathan established in our previous interview with you, people want to find you. They're just going to have to wait till you show up somewhere because you are pretty exclusive as to who you connect with. But uh, I'm I'm really grateful that you're my client and also that you're our guest expert in the last two copywriting podcasts. My God, uh, learned learned so many things and I'm so appreciative. And I, I know this is valuable for all of our listeners as well. So thank you so much for, for taking the time.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I I hope, I hope it really does help someone. That'd be great. That would be awesome.
0: Mike, do you mind sticking around for a couple seconds? Oh, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. Awesome. I was going to ask about, uh, levels because I used to mess with Facebook ads a lot when I first when they when they first came out and uh you could get away with a lot more stuff back then and you could yeah. have you could have lower ticket items that would be like I remember running fifteen dollars on a t-shirt ad and clocking yeah. three or four hundred dollars off of fifteen dollars pretty frequently <laughs> but it seems like you can't really get away with that and I was gonna ask about your thoughts on uh on what level of, of price ticket should you avoid? Like how, how low can you go as you as what you're selling before Facebook is, is not the way to go.
2: Yeah. So I think it comes down to the, the moment that you sit to design your campaign, you have to make a couple of choices. One of the choices is of course, what are the price points of everything you're going to sell in your campaign? The second is what are you willing to pay for whatever your um whatever your ads are going to be and you can figure that out we'll, we'll we'll come back to that in a second but and then and then lastly and this is actually probably the most important thing to consider when you're running your Facebook ads is how long can you afford to wait to make the sale So let's start there first A lot of people want to run Facebook ads direct to the offer. That is probably, uh, it's not impossible, and I would never say anything is impossible in advertising. There are definitely people who do that successfully. It is harder than it has ever been to do that The offer must be just insane. Oftentimes it's like a free plus shipping or it's pay a dollar to get these really trendy what like solar glasses right now and in in the path of the solar eclipse totality. If you are living in within 200 miles of that, you're probably getting hit with dollar offer offers for the solar flare glasses or something like that. Right. Um, But. For most people, running an ad direct to an offer is not to a to a paid offer is not a good idea. So you have to build a campaign. <clears throat> I personally like Facebook campaigns that have a high ticket offer attached somewhere, whether it's a thousand or five thousand or higher, and that's because that just gives you a, a greater margin of error for being able to spend. Right, so I can spend uh $997 on a thousand dollar offer and still have some profit, three bucks. But you know, that so when you build out that campaign, having that high ticket offer does change things. Now let's take the high ticket camp the high ticket thing out. Let's assume that you don't have it. Even though if you're a copywriter, you do. It's called your services, your done for you services. But let's assume that you only have some lower ticket thing. Um, what I recommend is that you if you're going if you if you need the immediate sale you need it now what you do is you create your free offer whatever that could be a, a PDF of uh the a case study of how I made my client $100,000 in in 12 months or whatever that might be that you'd have to check that with Facebook to make sure you can make that claim but <laughs> uh run that run that lead what we call a lead magnet or or an opt-in or bait there's lots of different names for it Run your traffic to that. If you can, run traffic to content related to that first, then retarget and all that kind of stuff. But let's just say you run it directly to that landing page. You're looking for probably a 30 to a 50% opt-in. We like to stay around 40, 45%. Um, if we don't get 40 40, 40 to 45%, the first thing we change is actually the audience, not the copy, um, because you have a lot more flexibility and a lot more leverage in changing your audience than you necessarily do the, the copy itself. Mm-hmm. But let's say you get those opt-ins on the thank you page of that registration of the of the opt-in page. So someone puts in their email the page they see immediately after that, the headline is like, hey, your download of my case study is coming in a few minutes to your inbox. In the meantime, I want you to read this. And it is actually a sales letter that takes the prospect from what they just opted in for, what they just were so excited about that they gave you their email that now they're reading through this sort of like bridge basically from that moment to maybe you're selling for $7, for $14, for $49, the templates to what you did or the -the over-the-shoulder video of the case study that they just signed up for or something that's related somehow to that opt-in.
0: So that's that's not the big ticket. That's just kind of a way to help you recoup the cost of getting whatever percentage of people to click on the ad in the first place
2: exactly yeah so we look for a price we let our price fluctuate until we're getting between 30 to 40 percent conversion rates on that page meaning so we look for probably about 45 percent of people to go from facebook to sign up for the opt-in then from there we look for about a 40 percent of those people who signed up, so now the opt-ins, 40% of those people are gonna purchase whatever is on that thank you page. And we typically, if we can hit those numbers, we will do better than break even on the ad spend, which is the same as me saying, when you figure out that piece, you dominate your market because you can spend Hmm. infinite, because it costs you nothing. So you build your email list for free, Uh, you have this massive email list and that's where we start talking about how long can you wait to make your sale? If you put that in place, you can wait a long time to sell a thousand dollar product. And when I mean, wait, I mean, you can now build autoresponder email sequences, content drops, all that kind of stuff that you could delay the actual close of your product two, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever it is because you are not spending anything on Facebook, because you're in a break-even situation.
0: Ah, oh, that's so brilliant.
1: All right, Nathan, will you want to wrap it up?
0: I just want to say again, second David, and say thank you. This was a very value-packed episode, just like every episode of the podcast. So, David, you did an awesome job on picking out this week's and last week's guest. Until next time, copywriters, this has been another episode of the Copywriters Podcast. Check out the website over at copywriterspodcast.com. And we will catch you later.
1: Okay. Bye, everybody. Do you have a question you'd like to have answered on the Copywriters Podcast? We're looking at questions that are included in new reviews on iTunes. Here's how it works. Leave a review for the Copywriters Podcast on iTunes. Besides giving your thoughts on the podcast itself, Include a question you'd like to have answered. We'll be monitoring the questions regularly, and I'll be answering as many of them as I can on future episodes. Thanks for your good ideas and for listening to the Copywriter's Podcast.